is the sevenfold Spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes front and back. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. So the four conditions that we find in the next four chapters of Revelation for living in the new covenant are these. Number one, the new covenant church is seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Number two, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Number three, when we embrace God's grace, everything of bondage is removed. And number four, the receiving of the living seal. And they're the four conditions that I want to look at over the next three weeks. You know, chapter four is essentially a repeat of the vision that Ezekiel sees in his book in the Old Testament, but from the perspective of the new covenant, and here's why. The biggest difference is that Ezekiel sees his vision by looking up. He looks up. And that's where the Old Testament and the Old Covenant is from us perspective of looking up. John, however, is invited up and sees the vision within, looking down. He's invited up to the heavenly places. And there's a significant difference there between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant because the New Covenant, the Old Covenant, is we look up and worship Whereas a new covenant, Jesus invites us in, in to God's presence, in to living in his presence. In the vision that God gave Ezekiel, the church or God's people, Israel, were bound to earthly territory. Whereas John's vision sees the church to be where Christ is seated in the heavenly places. We've talked about this before. Reiterating, I want to reiterate this morning, as a church of God, as the children of God, we have already been transferred from into, into the kingdom of light. We already live by different roles. The church today is blessed with every spiritual blessing from the throne of Christ. Ephesians 1.3 John's vision then begins with an open door in heaven and an invitation for him to come up and see. Come and join me, John. Come and join me. Come and see what I see. This to me signifies access for all people 
into the throne room of God. See, it's not simply the priests anymore. It's not simply for the special anointed ones that would go into the Holy of Holies. This is an invitation for everyone. Through the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who we celebrated just a week ago, we no longer require someone to approach the throne on our behalf. We do it ourselves. You know, it's always been interesting to me in, the, in my life as a Christian, when we get pastors or when we get um, invited speakers, and there's this great long line, and I, I've been part of that great long line because I want this special speaker to speak and pray for me, because why is that? And I've tried to analyze that over, over the last few years, and I think we kind of sometimes think that these people have got special access to the throne room of heaven. We think they're somehow up here, and they've got more access to God, so them praying over me is actually going to have this amazing effect in my life. Folks, we have all got that access today. We do not need a priest. We do not need a special individual to pray for us. We do not need a special individual to take us into that holy of holies because we have access to that place already through Jesus Christ. John's vision was from within. He wasn't looking up. He was invited in to partake. The voice that John heard was like a trumpet, and the trumpet testifies of the prophetic spirit, the one which God has poured out not on priests, not on pastors, not on big conference speakers, but on who? All people. All people. Each of us have access to the prophetic word of God in our lives. That prophetic word, that prophetic power of the Spirit that changes and transforms people's lives today. We all have access to this life-changing voice of God. We must give time for the voice of God in our lives. We must, because it's the voice of God, the power. Remember, when God created the earth, how did He do it? How did God create the earth? He spoke. He spoke and things happened. It's the voice of God in our lives. It's that prophetic voice of God in our lives that will transform our lives. It's not by reading a book. It's by that prophetic voice of God that transforms our lives. We must give room for the voice of God in our lives today. The challenge today is we often ignore it. We often ignore the very voice that brings life. Give chance, give God the opportunity to speak into your life this morning. Back to John's vision. Then he saw Jesus. And Jesus looked like precious stones, like jasper. And in the, in the King James, is, it's this sardine stone. So he was like jasper and sardine, the stone of sardine. The former one being the stone of Naphtali, and the latter being the stone of Judah. Now these names are significant as the name Naphtali means that struggles 
or fights. And the name Judah means praise. So these to me signify that Jesus is conquered. He's already won the fight. And through the battles and the fights and the struggles of man has become the praise of the whole earth. This means that for us, every believer in the new covenant can end his or her struggle and become part of the testimony of God's praise in our lives. Every time people line up for prayer, it means they're still struggling with the struggle in here. How many times do we need to go to the throne room before this breaks? We don't, the victory has already won. It's already won. It's already been completed in Christ. You know, God is looking for a people that will rise up through their battles, through their tr- troubles, through their hard times, and still praise Him, still give Him worship. No matter how hard life maybe gets, instead of coming to the throne and complaining to Him or, or struggling with it, praise His name. Worship Him. I remember having a conversation with a couple not that long ago. They weren't connected necessarily to our church, but they were... They, they, they knew God. And they were going through really... And the, and the reason I, I, got, I, I was able to contact these people was because I found a check for the church in our mailbox. We have this very strange situation in Castlegar that there are people that support our congregation that never turn up. They're never there. It's the most bizarre thing. Anyway, I found this check in, a, in our mailbox, and I went to the house to say thank you for it, and discovered a couple that were really struggling with their life. They were going through hard. Now, life happens, doesn't it? It happens. Their solution was to give a check to the church because they thought in doing that, if they started giving money again, then God was going to come and solve their problems. It's like a magic fairy approach to your faith. But that's so often true of us. If only we do something, if only we do something else, then God is going to come and help us and solve our problems. And as I was sitting there, out came the checkbook, and she was writing another check that says, I don't want your money, and neither does God. It's not some magic formula. I don't want it. Oh, oh, that's not going to help you. See, what God wants is your heart. What he wants is you to worship him. What he wants is, to, is for you to know him and worship him. So I suggested to them that every morning they just simply spent some time loving on Jesus. Now I don't know whether they ever did. I've been back a couple of times and they're still having the same challenge. The checks stopped coming. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> but hey, you know, that's good. Maybe I played that wrong, I don't know. (laughs) But you know, God wants your heart. We have access to the very throne room of God. We don't need anybody else to do it for us. Jesus already won the victory. The battle is finished. Why do we struggle so much in our lives? It's a decision that we make that I choose to follow God no matter what. 
no matter what the circumstances of my life, no matter where I find myself in my life, and as hard as those times may be, I choose to give him praise and honor and glory. And I choose to live in his praise every day. Around the throne there was a rainbow with the appearance of an emerald. This serves as a reminder to the people of the promise that God made to Noah. God promised Noah that he wouldn't destroy all flesh again as he did in the flood. You see, God's judgment is not the removal of mankind, but rather the removal of our fleshly nature of mankind through the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. God's presence is now being given to the church. The church has access to his throne, you and me. We are the church. We have been given access to God's throne to be the kingdom of priests and kings, bringing glory and honor to the name of Jesus. We are all priests in God's kingdom. John sees a glass like crystal, glass sea, sea of glass rather, like crystal. Note that John is standing looking down, as again Ezekiel was standing looking up. John's already there, he's in the presence of the living God. And in John's vision, there's a place prepared for him to walk. The sea is a testament to the living word of God, Jesus Christ. Members of Christ's body have been given the ability to know the word of God in their hearts and their minds, and every part of their being has made men alive in Christ. In the sea, there are living creatures, full of eyes front and back. They are the redeemed flesh. They are redeemed body. They are the body of Christ that now live in his presence. See, we live in God's presence every day of our lives. Every day of our lives, we live in his presence. Shouldn't that make a difference to where we're at? Shouldn't that make a difference, the power of his presence living in us, walking in it, walking in the kingdom of heaven under that rule, but not by the kingdom We have been transferred. It should make a difference in our lives. We live in Christ and he lives in us. Our lives are led from living in Christ through the transforming power of His Holy Spirit. The number four is the number of the covenant and signifies the north, south, east, and west. In other words, the church is made up of every tribe and nation upon the earth. Here's one now. The living church is called to bring blessing, blessing upon the earth. I wonder how the earth view us. I wonder how the earth views the church. I wonder how the world views us. We are called and brought here to bring blessing into the world. It's a blessing upon the earth in the context of a covenant blessing. The living, the living creatures in this vision being the church, you and I, living in Christ, living in His presence, and bringing God's blessing to the earth. We're not here to condemn the world. We're not here to judge the world. We're here to bring blessing. The church is described as having four attributes. 
I'm kind of racing through this. I, I, I want to pick out some detail, but there's a lot in this chapter. There's a huge amount in this, in this whole vision that John had. But the church here is described as having four attributes, those of a lion, an ox, and then again, the King James, it says, a face like that of a man, manifesting the attributes of a flying eagle. So what does the lion signify? The lion signifies Christ's boldness, his fierceness, his strength to deliver. It's a testimony of the people of Israel entering the promised land. It's a sign of the boldness and righteousness that has been given to the church in the face of its enemy. See, how often do we, we cower in our little four walls? How often do we shut ourselves away from what goes on outside here, these four walls? How often are we afraid to engage with our community because we think the enemy is going to come back and we're going to get called all these things? Well, so what? So what if the world calls us? I'm not going to say the names, but so what? So what? The victory is already won. The lion roars. The light walking into the darkness, what happens? The darkness flees. It disappears. The minute you switch a light on, there is no darkness anymore. We are the light of the world. We are the light that goes into that darkness. Don't be afraid of the world. Engage with it. They're asking lots of questions. Engage with them. Don't be afraid. Jesus, strengthen you. We'll see you through. Ezekiel, interestingly enough, saw this merely as the face of a creature where John sees it as the character and nature of the church. The second one, the ox, speaks of a sacrifice of service to the Creator. The testimony of the church to God is one of worship, honor, and service. It's the condition of the church and the fulfillment made real in the new covenant. Love God with all our hearts, soul, and mind. And what's the next bit? Love thy neighbor as yourself. You see, we're very good at the first bit. Well, perhaps, sometimes. But we're not so good at the second bit. You see, I'm not convinced necessarily that the world out there is a problem with God. I'm convinced of more of a problem with the church. You see, we struggle with this loving our neighbor bit. Because when the neighbor rallies against you, when the neighbor does something that you don't like, our initial reaction is to get our heckles up and throw them a punch or two. But we're called to be a blessing. We're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. Mind you, maybe you don't love yourselves very much, so maybe that could, you know. That was supposed to be a bit of a joke. Okay. You know, we're called to love our neighbors, na neighbors, navels, <laughs> neighbors as ourselves. But we don't realize how Christ has loved us. We don't realize how God has loved us so much that he, put, he made his son, he put his son on a cross for our lives. 
We are to be servants to one another. Servants to one another. Can you imagine serving your neighbor that you don't like very much? See, what speaks more to people in this world today than aggression or unfriendliness is forgiveness. Forgive. Forgiveness. They can't deal with it. They can't handle it. They don't know how to. Their way is to come at you and, and be aggressive or, or to, you know, to, to call you all sorts of things. Our way should be to love them. It's hard to love some people. But our calling is to love them. And they can't handle that. The world can't handle love and reality and love and forgiveness. They can't handle it. They don't know what to do with it. We are new creations. Our attitude towards others must be always to see others as we see ourselves. I think I jumped one there, didn't I? Yes, that was the face. Of, <laughs> that was a face like that of a man. Our human condition, our human, speaks of the human face of God's people. The human expression of Christ to mankind. Let's jump back to the ox for a moment. The ox speaks of sacrifice of service to the creator. The testimony of the church to God is one of worship, honor, and service. To love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. That's not something that we can teach people. It's not something that is a command. It's something of the heart of Jesus in us that brings it up in us. Nobody can teach us to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. It's about a heart condition. People that have been transformed by the love of Christ in their own lives becoming changed in their very nature through Christ. It speaks to the new covenant believer. Finally then, the eagle. It testifies to the swiftness and ability to dwell in the heights. The eagle soaring. I love watching the eagle soar. And they, they, they soar on the, on the warm air and the warm currents and they just go higher and higher and higher and higher. It speaks to us dwelling in the heights of God, knowing his presence and his protection. But it also speaks, though, to the devouring of flesh. And when we are led by the Spirit, our flesh is consumed. Now, what do I mean by that? Our own fleshly desires become nothing in the face of God and Christ. Our own desires and our own lives became nothing when faced with Christ. When we are led by our spirit, our minds become set on things above, not on our earthly desires. Colossians 3. We're a called people, a called new covenant people. So some practical things to finish. 
Firstly, who, we who are in the new covenant in Christ all can live in the daily presence of God. You know, I remember somebody once describing it as God's so close to you, you know, the thickness of a tie away. And it, it, I, I kind of struggle with that a little bit. I understand what they were trying to say, but actually God's presence is so much more than that. You're living in it. It's not the thickness of a tie away. It surrounds us. It embraces us. All new covenant believers have that access to God. Our Heavenly Father desires that we all live in His kingdom. We have free access to Him through Christ. And I say free candidly here because free does not mean it is free because Christ gave His life for it. Christ gave His life that we might have access to the throne room. And that is our Heavenly Father's desire, that we live in that constant presence of God. Just imagine for a minute. I mean, I know we all have pictures of heaven and when we get there and what it's going to be like living in the constant presence of God. I just want you to let your minds wander there a little bit, just for a moment. You all have your dreams of when we die, we go to heaven, and God's there all the time, and we're worshiping, and you know, just having a great time. I don't know whether there'll be golf courses up there. I don't know, there might be. But I know he's got a room. So let your mind wander a little bit and then bring it back down to earth. Because that's what it should be here on earth. It's not about when we get to heaven. Heaven is already here on earth through us. It's not about hanging on to life. And then when we die, we get to a better place. Christ's asking to live in that place right now as new covenant believers. So bring your imagine back, imagination back to earth just for a moment and just imagine you're in the presence of the living God right now. He's surrounding you. He's wrapping you in his arms. That's how he wants you to live today. Don't wait for the time. Don't waste your life. Live in it now. The old covenant was a day of the priests and them having special access to God. Under the new covenant, we all have that access. None of us are no more special than the one sitting next to you. I could do a little experiment here because, because I hate when people ask me to do these things. So when I'm up here, I can do that. <laughs> I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you're no more special than I am. Okay, you've done that bit. I now want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you're just as special as I am. You see, there is no difference. In God's kingdom, there is no difference. Pastors, leaders, apostles, priests, there is no difference. I don't do this because I'm more special than you. I don't do this because I, I want to. I do it because God has brought me to this place to encourage and, and see people released 
into their giftings. I tell you, if I had a choice, <laughs> no, I won't say that. <laughs> you know, you and I are the same. That's why I just cannot stand people calling me Pastor Gordon because it sets me up here. And I don't want to be up here because I'm not up there. In fact, when you're up there, you've got a hell of a lot longer to fall. I don't want that. My name is Gordon. We don't call people with an evangelistic gift Evangelist Paul or Evangelist Peter. I'm no more special than you. I have no extra access to the kingdom than you. In fact, probably you have more access than me sometimes. But you know, but we're all in this together. It's about a body of believers who work and serve together, bringing the body together in its completeness. Each of us having gifts to serve and each of us having that access to the King of Kings. Secondly then, living constantly in the living word and through the living word. We then tap into spiritual realms. We have the ability to hear the voice of God for today. And I'm talking about living in Christ, not living in a book. I'm talking about living in Christ, the living word, constantly living in his realm, in his life. We have then the ability to hear that voice of God for ourselves. Wow. You don't need somebody up here telling you what God's saying. You have that access to him yourself, to hear that voice, the voice that created, the voice that creates, the voice that creates and transforms our lives. We have that ability to hear his voice for today. For today, the voice that transforms our lives and the lives of those around us. We are called to bring blessing to those around us. Do you hear that? Blessing. Let's not be a hindrance. Let's not be a barrier. Let's be a blessing to people. Last week, yesterday, on Friday, Paul invited me to lunch. Well, that was really nice. It, it would have still been nice, I think. <laughs> yeah. And I missed his call, so we tried to connect, and we weren't able to connect. So he left me a, he said, he left me a message saying, well, maybe if you're not available, I can take a homeless person out for lunch. He enjoyed his lunch with this homeless person. No. But you know what I'm saying? It's about being a blessing to other people. I didn't make lunch, unfortunately. I'm so sorry. I'd have loved to spend lunch with you, even if it was at McDonald's. But we're called to be a blessing, not a barrier, not a hindrance. So often we can be a hindrance because we want people to be like us. I don't want any of you to be like me. That would just be terrible. But we want people to believe what we believe before we accept them. 
before we say, welcome, friend. We expect people to believe what we believe before we welcome them into a church congregation. The disciples belonged before they believed. They should be welcome, friend, regardless of what they believe and who they are. We're called to be a blessing, a blessing to love our neighbors, to pour love out into our neighbors. Which leads me on to the next bit. Love thy neighbor as thyself is not a command to be used just if you like your neighbor. Isn't that so often the case? You know, there was a saying that used to go around, we're called to love them but not necessarily like them. I'm not sure you can separate the two. You know, you maybe don't like what they do, but God still calls us to love them. And love is way higher up than like. Way higher up than like. It's hard to love people who come against you. It's hard to love people who say hard things against you. It's hard to love people who constantly criticize or, or call you all sorts of things. And as a pastor, I've got lots of those people in my life. <laughs> it's hard to love them, but they don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to handle it. We're called to love regardless. Love regardless. As we love our neighbors, we are opening the doors of heaven and giving God the opportunity to speak into their lives and into ours through the Holy Spirit. And lastly, new covenant believers are, give, are to give all the glory and honor to Jesus. As seen at the end of this chapter, the four creatures are seen giving glory to honor to the, and honor to the Lord. And as they do, the elders around them throw their crowns off in worship, giving all they have to the King of Kings. Our lives have been redeemed through sacrifice. Our lives become sacrifice to the King through worship and service to Christ our Lord. And worship is not about what we did this morning. That's only part of it. I love the description in Romans chapter 12 of what worship truly is. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's a way of life. It's a lifestyle. And then what comes out of that is our praise and worship to Him because of the lifestyle. Not out of obligation, not out of we've got to go there because Sunday morning is coming around and it's 10 o'clock and we've got to be at church. It's out of a lifestyle of living as a sacrifice to the living God who wells up inside you and flows out of us like river, rivers of living water. Our worship comes from there, from there, from a heart that has been transformed and redeemed by the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
That's the good news. So that's the first chapter, John's vision. There's loads more in here. There's loads more in here. But today I want you to, I want to leave you with just this whole thing of where is your life in Christ today? Where is your life in Him? Are you following a routine? Are you following a set of rules? Or are you living in the constant presence of God? Are you living in His presence? Are you living in the living Word, Jesus Christ? I want to challenge you this morning. Now is the day to allow Christ to transform your life. Now is the day to allow Jesus to take a hold of your life and transform it to where he wanted it to be in the first place. God's whole purpose, God's whole purpose from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible is to transform our lives to be children, to be sons and daughters of the living God. Hmm. Can we pray? Jesus. You know, there may be some here today that haven't had a great experience of their earthly parents. But I want to tell you today that God just wants you to be their son or their his son or his daughter in a way that you can never imagine. The love that he has to pour out into your life, the love that he wants to lavish you with is beyond our wildest dreams and imagination. God just wants you to be his child. His child to rest in his arms, to be held by him, to be loved by him. He simply wants you to take you to where he wanted you to be in the very first place. Now is the opportunity. Now is the time. The good news that he loves you just where you're at. He doesn't care about the things you've done in his li your life because he loves you just the same. He wants to see you change. as we continue and pray, would you just stand for me for a minute? Can we have some, set the scene, a little bit of music in the background. And I don't want to play in people's emotions today. 
That's not what I want to do. But I want to offer people the opportunity to know Christ as a father. A true 